proclaiming truth to restore life and liberty. This is The Future of America with your host, Nena Arias. She has proclaimed truth for over 40 years in many nations of the world and now endeavors to restore the values of the biblical worldview that made the United States of America the most powerful nation in the world. Ideas have consequences. They're passed on from generation to generation, forming the culture of a society. To eradicate error, the moral and ethical principles of the Bible must be firmly established in the heart and mind of each individual. Discover how to apply biblical principles to transform your world. And now, your host, Nena Arias. Welcome, friends. I'm so glad you decided to join us. And I know you have many options in the internet out there on almost any subject. But we thank you for deciding to spend this part of your day with us. And let us learn together how we can unmask the strategies of the enemy, the tactics that he uses to cause us to be derailed in our Christian walk, how his objective is to shed doubt on the Word of God, and that is why we are looking at this subject, answering a question, the very first question in the book of Genesis, unfortunately, was posed by the enemy of God, and it basically says, did God actually say, planting doubt, in the mind of Eve and of Adam that caused them to doubt God and to override his authority on the command that he had given. And the consequences were devastating and are still very devastating in the hearts and lives of many people who still have not embraced the plan of salvation that our Heavenly Father announced even way back then that he would send someone who would crush the head of Satan, the head of the serpent, and that we would be delivered from that bondage of sin. So we have been seeing how we can unmask, how we can identify, fight against, and overcome the strategies of the enemy that he hurls at us in his quest to make us doubt God. And we have been seeing how the attack against God's word every day keeps getting more and more and more aggressive, at least what we see here in the United States of America. I don't know what's happening in your country in regards to the word of God, but here in America, the word of God is being severely attacked to the point of causing people to doubt whether it is even the Word of God. And if we say it is, what proof do we have? How do we substantiate that statement that the Bible is the Word of God? Well, we saw in our previous program that history attests to the Word of God, that archaeology attests to the Word of God. And we saw how the firsthand experience of every individual with the Word of God can also attest 
to be a first-hand witness of its veracity and its authenticity in the results that we get when we corroborate them. The last point that we were making in our previous program, which I highly recommend that you listen to, was that there is an internal argument for the accuracy of Scripture, and that is that the Word of God is based on the character and attributes of God. And this is the supreme argument that we have and how the Word of God has been breathed out, inspired by God, even though he has used human instruments. And we saw how the argument of the authenticity of the Word of God goes even further because it includes the faithfulness of God to preserve it. And we are going to see how God cannot afford to lose the message that he has forged throughout millennia and even through the coming of Jesus Christ to earth to redeem us and the cost that God has paid for the gift of salvation. God will never allow that message to be lost. It cost too much. It costs the very life of his own son, and it will cost his credibility if it is lost. And many people in the future will also be lost if they do not know of this salvation message. So you see, God has a lot invested in this, and he will not allow his word to be lost. So when the world questions God and they say, has God actually said, what are we to answer? So this is part number two in our topic. And once again, I welcome you to the program. We're going to see that the nature, the character, and the attributes of God demand that the scriptures be accurate. And nobody's more interested in preserving that purity than God. So here's a question. If God sent his son and paid the highest price imaginable, for the redemption of the human race, and he also made a written record so all future generations could know about his saving grace, would he allow the text to be adulterated and the message ruined by error? This is impossible, ladies and gentlemen, because God's plan is long range and it will be in place until he decides the time for saving the human race here on earth is up. It is very necessary that we see the proof of this in the word of God. And there is an excellent example in the book of Jeremiah so that we can corroborate how it is that God protects and watches over his word so that its authenticity will not be lost and it will be preserved for all mankind. And you need to be a little patient here, okay? Because I think it is very important to read the entire chapter 36 of Jeremiah, because it spells out the process of how God watches for his word, and he makes sure that the pure, unadulterated word that he has given to the human race is passed along in 
its accuracy. So I'm going to read and comment as we go along the way on chapter 36 of Jeremiah. And it reads, In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations. From the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah until today, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. I'm going to pause right there because I want to emphasize that God's main goal is always to save people. His priority is not to destroy us. His priority is to save us and give us everything that we need to be delivered from sin and death. And he gives every opportunity, opportunity after opportunity, because he is merciful. And his goal, again, I repeat, is to save all those who would want to be saved. Now, this also has a limit because God has also said that his spirit will not contend with men forever. But he certainly gives plenty of opportunities for those who want to be saved to be saved. Let us continue reading from Jeremiah 36. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord. So you are to go, and on a day of fasting, in the hearing of all the people in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of their cities. It may be that their plea for mercy will come before the Lord, and that everyone will turn from his evil way, for great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And Baruch did all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. I'm going to pause right there because I want to point out a couple of things. Number one, Jeremiah has been banned from going to the house of the Lord. But he's not letting that ban stop him from doing what God has commanded him to do. And he has a faithful scribe who is his assistant. And I want to also point out that Baruch is supposed to go and read the scroll that Jeremiah has dictated to him in the hearing of all the people. And notice that it says, on a day of fasting. Now, what does that tell you about the people? It tells you that they are, in spite of their sinfulness and their evil ways, they still have a form of religiosity, of devotion of some kind. They are going through the motions of being God's people, but they're not living. They're not living according to God's statutes. And this has caused God to declare judgment upon them, as we will see further on. But God is still saying that perhaps, just perhaps, when they hear 
what God has dictated against them, that they will plead for mercy and come before the Lord. Again, here's God's patience. Here's God's love and long-suffering and mercy to give everyone opportunity after opportunity to be saved. And even though God has already pronounced anger and wrath against these people, he's still hoping that once they hear the judgment that has been pronounced, that they will call for mercy and be saved. So I continue reading from verse 9. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then, in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll in the house of the Lord in the chamber of Jamariah and the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which was in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. When Micaiah, the son of Jemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the king's house into the secretary's chamber, and all the officials were sitting there. And Micaiah told them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the scroll in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudai to say to Baruch, Take in your hand the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, Sit down and read it. So Baruch read it to them. When they heard all the words, they turned one to another in fear. And they said to Baruch, We must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, Tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Baruch answered them, He dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Then the officials said to Baruch, Go and hide, you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. I'm going to pause right there, because there are some very important things here that we must point out. First of all, we see that the message is going and traveling toward the king through a chain of command. And we see that they are wanting to know the source of these words. And they know already that Jeremiah is around, that Jeremiah is a prophet of the Lord, and that Jeremiah speaks for God. So they are shaking in fear. My question is, where are the prophets of the Lord these days? Why is the society and culture not consulting God's prophets of today? God's people, God's servants, God's pastors, God's teachers. Where are they? Are they not discerning the times that we are living in? Are they not alerted in their spirit that these are very dangerous times and we must be speaking God's word very clear to the people? These people recognized that this was a message that must be heard from the higher ups. And we also have an opportunity to share what God is saying in our times. 
who speaks for God in our times? Is it not all of us who call ourselves or identify ourselves with Christ, with Christianity, with God's word, we say we are the children of God? Are the people hearing from us? Are we not going to speak for God? Are the odds very different in our time from the way they were in Jeremiah's time? They told him, the officials said, you know what? Go hide, you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. Now, was this out of fear? Was this out of intimidation that they were running away? No, they had a mission to accomplish. And these officials were going to send these words to the king. So let us continue with our story. And please bear with me because this is very, very in tune with the subject that we are talking about today. So we can see how God works through human beings to accomplish his purpose and to keep his word pure before us. I continue reading from verse 20. So they went into the court to the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudai to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary. And Jehudai read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house. There was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. As Jehudai read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Even when Elnatha and Eliha and Jemariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, and Sarahiah, the son of Azrael, and Jelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch, the secretary, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. I pause right there. Do you see what we're seeing here? The word of the Lord has gone forth in its purity, exactly the way Jeremiah received it from the Lord. Now, these leaders and this king, it says that they were not afraid. They did not tear their garments. This was a custom in the Jewish nation that when they wanted to humble themselves before God, when they wanted to repent before God, when they heard a disastrous message of some tragedy to show the depth of this impact, they would tear their garments. But these men are not doing that. They're not allowing this message to penetrate into their spirit and to weigh it in the scale as to how severe it really is if they do not repent. And we hear that, on the contrary, they sent for Jeremiah and Baruch to be seized. But it says the Lord hid them. They could not find them. Let us continue reading from verse 27. Now, after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Baruch wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Take another scroll and write on it all the former words 
that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, Thus says the Lord, You have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut off from it man and beast? Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and the frost by night. And I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the people of Judah all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, but they would not hear. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, who wrote on it, at the dictation of Jeremiah, all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to them. End of quote of the entire chapter 36 of Jeremiah. Now, why did I see or think it important to read this entire account? It is very obvious that no matter how hard human beings try to shut their heart, their ear, their mind, their soul to the message of God, God will always see to it that they receive it in its purity, in its entirety, and he watches over his word. And did you notice that in spite of the fact that the king burned the original scroll, God said, take another one, make another one and put exactly the same words on that second scroll that I gave you in the first scroll. And Jeremiah did that. And he also added the words of what God was going to do to that evil king of Judah that had destroyed the first scroll. And he prophesied to him how he was going to die and what was going to happen to his body. It wasn't even going to be buried. It was going to be just out there in the heat of the day and the frost by night. Because you see, no one who attempts to obstruct the will and the purpose of God is going to succeed. The Bible is a book that has been so maligned and so attempted against to be destroyed, yet it will not be destroyed. God will see to it time and time again. Why is that? If God had allowed the text to be lost and the message to be muddled and confused beyond recognition or beyond its authenticity, he would then be unfaithful to his own purpose and to his own son to sacrifice his life on the cross and then have it mean absolutely nothing. That is impossible, ladies and gentlemen. It is impossible for God to fail in anything that he does, in anything that he purposes in his heart to do and to establish. So people can rile against God's word. They can try to discredit it in any way that they want. 
but God will see to it that it will always remain in its purity, that it will be available. God will not and cannot allow the record of the perfect work of his son to be lost to mankind. Otherwise, he would void for succeeding generations the payment of his son, Jesus Christ. That means future generations could not be saved. They would not know the entirety of his message and the price that he has paid for them. Do you see this? The nature, the character, and the attributes of God demand a faithful witness of his statutes, of his promise, of his plan, and his purpose for all generations, for all of humanity, both now and in the future. And all of this came to fruition in the death, burial, and resurrection of his precious son, Jesus Christ. Nobody has ever fought against God and his plan and won. God always has the last word, and God always has everything under his control. The Bible's authority has that supreme authority because God has all authority. And because God is the author of all scripture, scripture is authoritative and conclusive. It is non-negotiable. God is the basis of the Bible's authority. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we read, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. End of quote. Do you see the purpose that God has for his word? That, dear friends, will never be ultimately thwarted by any human effort. By any humans, it matters not how much they hate God. It matters not how much they go out on a limb to discredit him and to destroy him. They will never succeed. They will never succeed. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. End of quote. It is the scriptures that keep us going, ladies and gentlemen. It is the scriptures that cause our faith to grow. It is the scriptures that bear witness to us that we are the children of God through the Holy Spirit. And it is the scriptures that maintain, nourish, and keep alive the mighty living hope that we have in our Savior, in the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords that will live forever in us and through us. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't this amazing? So Satan dares to say, did God actually say? We have to answer, yes, he did. We have to actually do like Jesus did to Satan in the wilderness and the temptation. We have to quote scripture to Satan in our battle against him. We have to quote scripture to the situations and declare the victory over them through God's word. We must know where we stand 
and the solid ground that the Word of God gives us to be able to overcome all the difficulties. This is beautiful. I hope you will join us as we continue with this topic, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. May these truths challenge and change your heart. We hope today's topic has truly enriched your life so we can make America strong again. This program is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners. All donations are tax deductible. We would love to hear your questions or comments. Please visit our website at www.culturallegacy.org. You may email us at cl.culturallegacy.org or write to The Future of America, P.O. Box 38456, Greensboro, North Carolina, 27438. Call us at 877-732-2887. That's 877-732-2887. Remember, you are a person of positive or negative influence. What you do today will impact the future.